Welcome to episode 42 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, the way of the horse, believing in yourself and working with the horse you have today with Sky Lee Karnan. So I actually first heard about Sky a little while ago because she is a breach ambassador for QJ Riding Wear, which some of you may know I wear QJ clothes a lot and have also modeled for them. So I really like QJ stuff and um, I know that Sky likes QJ as well. So that's when I first heard about her. And then more recently, I heard about her competing in the way of the horse at Equitana 2022. Unfortunately, I was unable to to attend, but I was keenly watching Instagram stories and trying to see what was happening in the way of the horse and what the trainers were up to. And then when I heard that Sky had won, I knew that I had to reach out and get her onto the podcast so we could talk about the way of the horse and her experience and her training, etc. So who is Sky? Sky grew up riding horses and was very competitive to national level in dressage and showing, being a member of the Queensland Young Rider Squad and Horse of the Year winner. She spent over four years as a trick rider slash performer at the Australian Outback Spectacular. Sky had the opportunity to move to Tom Price in WA for two years before following her passion for horses to North America. After spending time working with horses in Canada, Sky had the amazing opportunity to work as assistant trainers for Dan and Elizabeth James of the Australian Equine Performance Centre in Midway, Kentucky. Working for Dan James gave Sky many unique opportunities and the experience of working with a large range of horses, including Warmbloods, Thoroughbreds, Quarter Horses and Mustangs. While in the USA, Sky took part in the retired racehorse project Thoroughbred Makeover, Training her thoroughbred Brumby over six months, they won the dressage championship and placed fourth in the freestyle in a field of 100. And more recently, Sky was the Equitana Australia 2022 The Way of the Horse winner, having competed against two other amazing female trainers working with unhandled horses over four 70-minute sessions over four days. So amazing achievement. And I knew that um, it was going to be an amazing chat with Sky. So I I really love speaking with Sky. To be honest, it felt like I was talking to a friend. Um, My impression of her is that she's really humble. She's a true Aussie horsewoman. She's got broad experience. She's really down to earth and super confident, but still open-minded and thirsty for more knowledge and experience. So definitely my kind of girl. Um, and I have to let you know, there's occasionally an audio breakdown, but you, you should still be able to hear the full conversation. So bear with me when that happens. And I really liked what she said about developing confidence and her answer to what makes a happy horse, which isn't, um, which is actually the first time someone has kind of had this answer to that question and I'm sure she would agree with other trainers who have mentioned the three F's um, but I really like what she said so stay tuned for for the answer to that question and as always if you love this episode please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and even screenshot this episode and text it to a friend who you think might like it or share it on social media. I love getting messages from people all over the world who love the podcast and hearing your breakthroughs always makes my day and encourages me to keep going with the podcast. So if you feel like it, please send me a message on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. I hope you enjoy Welcome the Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. So today I have the privilege of welcoming the Equitana Australia 2022, the Way of the Horse winner onto the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, Sky Likanen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and I feel uh, very grateful for an opportunity for like for like this it's going to be an interesting chat like I said off air I've 
I've had a few people um, send in some questions. So I'm going to be asking my usual questions on the podcast today, but also some extras. So I think it's going to be really interesting. Let's start off with, I always like to get a little bit of background first on, you know, how you got into horses in the first place and what has led to where you are today. So a bit about your horsemanship journey. Yeah, for sure. So I was super lucky. I had, I was one of those little girls that had a pony before they could walk. My mum is just as horse crazy as what I am. So I was very lucky to, um, yeah, have horses throughout all my life. Um, I competed successfully at Pony Club and progressed through to, you know, the show horse world into dressage. Um, and I was very lucky to have some, you know, really nice and competitive horses and was quite successful. Uh, I was able to then get a job while I was at university, actually studying to be a school teacher of all things, a sport teacher. I got a job at the Australian Outback Spectacular on the Gold Coast. So I was a stunt rider there for almost uh, five years, also did a bit of lead role and general uh, stable hand work as well for them. So that was a, an amazing opportunity that I'm so thankful for because I really think it's, you know, set me up in so many aspects in, um, I guess, my career later on. Um, and then from there, I, I did go out to be a, a teacher uh, for a few years, but the horses have always been my love and passion and drive. So that's when I decided to uh, pack up and sell everything here in Australia. And I moved uh, to Canada and I worked for, <laughs> of all things, a, a chuck wagon driver. And if you haven't never seen uh, chuck wagon driving before, I definitely say, go have a look what it looks like. It's absolutely crazy. Um, loved that. And then spent some time up in the Rocky Mountains as a wrangler uh, on pack troops absolutely exceptional uh seven days up in the mountains middle of nowhere horse and wagon were the only ways to get up there were riding your horse there was no motorbikes allowed or cars or anything like that so um that was just an exceptional time up there and as it started to get colder in Canada I needed a way to get out so I actually um ended up messaging a friend back here in Australia and he gave me a contact uh for Dan James of Double Dan Horsemanship and uh, before I knew it, it was down there and I ended up working for him and his wife, Elizabeth, for just over two years. Um, and that was absolutely opportunity of a lifetime. I'm so thankful um, for the opportunity that they gave me over there, um, competing in a thoroughbred makeover, um, starting and working with so many different horses, uh, thoroughbreds for the track, problem horses, um, and then just all the other amazing people that I got to meet along the way over there as well. Um, and then I guess once I moved back to Australia, just started my own business um, and majority of my work now is working for international thoroughbred retirement. So bringing um, horses, race horses back from Hong Kong and putting them through a re-education program and they get um, rehomed through a free adoption program. So it pretty much goes on the basis of the best home, most suitable um, for each horse, which is really cool. So that's sort of like a very, very long story in a short time <laughs> yeah wow and what a broad range of experience you've had with horses so far what led you to well I should say congratulations on winning the way of the horse and and what led you to want to enter that competition and can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that yeah for sure so I received a phone call uh, from Sandy Simons in about May this year um, asking if I would be interested in in the competition and it's not something that, you know, I would have put my hand up for, like, you know, um, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't have gone and searched for it. But when an opportunity like that arises, I find it's a challenge that I have to set myself to see if, you know, I can do it. So I definitely, I, I snapped up the opportunity and um, yeah, I guess, you know, I have had, you know, a lot of experience starting horses, but doing it in that sort of time frame in that um, atmosphere um, in front of yeah all those people is something that I definitely hadn't done before so I'm really glad that I took that challenge on because you're always constantly you know growing as a horse person and you know I think it's always good to challenge yourself and um, I'm really super thankful to Equitana for having me there and to compete alongside uh, Haley and Steph was just exceptional those girls are absolutely awesome and I think it's a really good uh thing that Sandy did is you know to prove that you know us girls we we can you know start a horse as well it's not I think it's a very male orientated um 
not not sure exactly the word I'm looking for, but it's mostly, you know, that males that do start, you know, our younger horses. And I think, yeah, I hope that I have given some people some confidence to believe that they can do it as well. Absolutely. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time ever at Equitana that we've had three female trainers um, compete. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. As from what I've seen, I think there's only been uh, one other female competitor in the history of um, Way of the Horse. So to have all three girls um, this year was just the the coolest thing to be a part of. And I hope that, you know, it can be repeated um, again. That is amazing. And um, for those listeners who maybe haven't ever seen the way of the horse or weren't able to attend Equitana this year, could you give us a rundown of exactly what it is and um, even maybe a bit of a kind of synopsis of of your sessions with the mare that you had? Yeah, for sure. So way of the horse is, a, I guess, a young horse uh, starting competition where you have to try, we have, it was 70 minutes uh, each day over four days, which ended up being 60 minutes because we had to give uh, the horses a 10 minute break within that 70 minute period. And we were told uh, by the judges and organizers that we were pretty much to get far as we could within the starting process. And on the final day, there would be a 15 minute final um, where they would want to see us, you know, walk, trot, canter, um, the horse under saddle, possibly over obstacles um, but obviously you know they made it very clear that you know you only go to what your horse you know is sort of giving you so the little mare that I had um, she was um, I just had it in my I don't know when I saw all those little ponies out in the round yard I was like that one's gonna have to be mine because it was the one that literally <laughs> um, was running around she was calling out she wanted her buddies you know the atmosphere you know you could see um, yeah, was sort of getting to her. So I was like, I knew that I had a bit of a challenge on my hands, but I find that those sort of horses is who I work with best. Um, and I feel like, you know, pretty early on within the first hour on the first day that, you know, I convinced her that, you know, I can be her new friend in life, that, you know, I can be the one that she can look to. So um, it was a she had a huge turnaround within that first hour and each day she just come in better and better. And um, I was lucky enough. I, so on the first day um, sort of, and like what people have to realize that none of these horses had, had been hold to broke there. Literally she had, you know, mats in her forelock. She had mats in her mane, you know, her, her feet are definitely um, yeah. Due for a trim and yeah, they literally have been, you know, had very, very minimal handling. So to take them from, you know, where we start them to where we finish them on the four days, you know, um, those girls should be, you know, so proud of what they achieved um, with those horses. So, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, the the process that we, we went through is just, you know, keeping yourself safe and keeping a happy horse throughout the competition. Yeah, that is incredible. Like, I can't imagine what sort of pressure you'd be under you know, starting a horse in front of a crowd in that atmosphere um, and with the pressure of trying to get as much done as possible um, with the final coming up and knowing that you're competing against others. Um, could you give us a rundown of like what you did with your particular mare each yeah, session? Like, for really sure. So um, on day one, um, she did take a, a little bit to catch. Um, but once I, once I did get a hold of her, um, you know, just get my hands on her, trying to find, you know, that scratchy spot, you know, that could convince her that, Hey, that I'm, you know, going to be your friend. So just trying to find, yeah, that scratchy spot on her to convince her that, yeah, I could be her, her new friend. And then just started like a bit of desensitizing with the ropes and being able to throw the rope over her back, you know, starting to touch, um, down her legs, um, across underneath her belly. And sort of getting ready for that, you know, I was setting her up for day two to be able to put the surf single on her, um, you know, started, you know, changing my energy around her. And I feel like that's a, you know, huge part of the process is that you just, it can't all be like, you know, tiptoeing, soft and quiet, you know. So I, I would, you know, change my energy around her, whether it was, you know, walking quicker around her or, you know, starting to jump up and down and, um starting to build her confidence you know with my different energy levels which I think you know especially for the filly that I had I knew was going to play uh, a huge role in it as she was quite sensitive um to everything that was going on around her so then 
by day two, um, once again, walked in and um, got her halted and then started that the repetition of the day before. So starting to get that ground control. So being able to move her around left and right, lateral flexion, um, the rope going over her body, um, putting the rope over through her belly as if, you know, I was starting to put a girth on around, um, starting just, you know, a little bit of desensitizing. Um, and then I, I think, yeah, on day two, I did get up to um, what I call a, a safety rein in the long rein setup. So I have the long rein run from the bit back to the sur single um, and it just encourages them to start softening to that bridle to get flexion left and right. So that's where I finished on day two. Um, and I think I actually got a bareback sit on day two as well, if I remember rightly. So just being able to, wow, uh, so yeah, so just been able to yeah, jump up on her and just sit up on her back and get my hands over her and, you know, let me, let her see me from a different, you know, angle up on top and um, that sort of stuff. So that was actually probably a pretty special moment, her just being able to stand there, you know, nice and relaxed, me sitting up on there, um, rubbing over her. Um, and then day three, I obviously everything is about revision. So the first, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour is revision. Um, I also added in my second long reign, being able to uh, turn her. And then day three, I actually had a very small, it was only maybe just a couple minute ride where I got up to walk and trot. Um, just, yeah, nice, smooth. She was super calm. I was super happy with her. And then uh, day four, we had uh, 40 minutes before going into the 15-minute final. Um, so once again, revision, um, popped her back in the long reins quickly and then jumped on her and had a ride at Walk, Trot and Canner, um, which I was, I was super stoked with her. She just, every day, she just come in better and better. Our connection was, you know, just getting stronger each time. Um, although like throughout the whole process, it's, you know, I still had to be very aware of her and, you know, her reactions. And as she was quite, you know, sensitive to stuff, she could one moment, you know, be standing there all good. And then the rope would accidentally, you know, flick on her leg and, you know, she would sort of get a little bit panicked about it. So then it was bringing that, you know, back down again and going, Hey, it's okay. It's all good. Um, and then my 15 minute final, um, there was a bit of a, like a, obviously they, they opened up two round yards. So the space was a bit bigger and um, she couldn't quite see her buddies. So her, I will say in the final, you know, she, um, her energy had a definitely a bit of a change than what I'd sort of dealt with in towards each of the sessions on the, the four days. So um, I just went through my groundwork process, just jumping up and sitting on her bare back, rubbing over and got the saddle and bridle on. And I can tell you what, that 15 minutes is the quickest 15 minutes of my entire life so yeah I didn't quite get to um show well obviously I had that the 40 minute session where they you know could see me ride her but I didn't get to manage to jump back on her in that 15 minutes um yeah she just wasn't quite um settled in the mind and you know there's no point pushing something that you know can um you know ruin my relationship with her so I just sort of left it at that so I was I was so proud of her she was just absolutely amazing yeah, wow, that's incredible. And even I think, I suppose most of the crowd would have seen what you were able to achieve in the four days. Like the final is sort of just the icing on the cake really, isn't it? And you were able to still demonstrate some amazing things in that time. So yeah. well done. Thank you. Congratulations again. That's just so cool. Um, and obviously, you know, four days or four sessions, really, four 60-minute sessions, um, it's a pretty short amount of time. And I, I wondered, you know, how your process differs when you're not in a competition environment, when you do have a little bit more time. Could you um, give us a little bit more insight around that? Yeah, for sure. So um, a huge part of my program is the, the long reigning process. And obviously I would have loved to have spent, you know, much more time um, long reigning her. But with the time frame we had, I sort of, you know, went to the, the absolute basics of being able to stop and turn. Um, but I use uh, long reining, obviously, in my starting process with horses, but also with a lot of the work that I do with the off-the-track thoroughbreds is in the re-education. So long reining for me, I think, is a, a, a fine art that, you know, doesn't get used very often, but I feel like it's a tool that, you know, I really wish people would, you know, use in their programs. It's a good way to um, educate your horse, but then watch how your horse travels. 
Um, and then also it's just another, you know, I find a really good relationship building exercise with them as well. And also um, from a, a fitness point of view as well, once you, you know, get them traveling around in the arena, you know, you don't need to go to a gym. <laughs> you, you can be running along beside them. <laughs> True. And, um, <laughs> you know get your fitness I'm up all as about well, so. fitness. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um there's there's so many benefits to to long reigning and I was really lucky to be able to do um a long reigning demonstration there at Equitana that um yeah I, I felt like I got a really good response from so I really hope that um yeah people can fall in love with long reigning as much as what I have yeah, awesome. And one of our listeners wanted to know that uh, if you ever felt nervous in front of the crowd or were there any moments where you were worried that something would go wrong? You know, that's that's a really funny question. And I think after working at Australian Outback Spectacular, you know, riding in front of a thousand people, you know, almost every night, um, I've, I've become numb to it. And it's, especially when you're in a competition process like that everyone you know sort of said to me they're like oh did you see how many people were watching and everything like that and I said I honestly I wouldn't have a clue just absolutely no idea you know the the most important thing to me in that moment is you know that little horse that I'm working with so all my attention is is focused on her so I, I'm just super lucky I guess with my experiences that you know working in front of a crowd like that um yeah definitely doesn't affect me anymore <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool how you were able to kind of stay in your own little focus bubble and, and not let the crowd affect you. But yeah, like you say, the experience probably helped with that. Um, and earlier, you mentioned that you kind of like to work with more uh, nervous type horses. Um, why do you think that is? I just, I don't know. I just, I want to give them a reason, you know, to believe that it, that it is okay, you know, that you know, the world and the environment and the people that are around them, you know, that it's a, it's a good experience, you know, they can enjoy our company. And I just really enjoy the challenge. I love being able to come back each day and, you know, see that little bit of progress um, as they come along, you know, in developing a trusting relationship with us. I can't, you know, really say what it is that draws me to them, but I, I just love a good challenge. And I really enjoy, you know, the, the more sensitive type of horses, um, everyone thinks I'm, I'm crazy. I've got an exceptional off the track thoroughbred mare that's definitely um, very special in a very own special way. And there's lots of people that said to me, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with her, but she literally, you know, every day, you know, I work with her, she literally, you know, just lights me up and puts a smile on my face and, you know, and I guess in, with that, it's the challenge of finding something that works for that horse that's I guess what I, I enjoy you know finding what is it that can I can make this horse you know tick and think in a positive way yeah and what made you decide to keep the gray mare and what are your plans with her in the future oh I definitely I, I was like I have to bring her home just her little face you know every day you know when I walked into that round yard and I opened that gate her eyes just like hooked onto me um, and her little ears that pricked up. And, you know, I thought it was a really good opportunity for me to take on a horse that literally is my work from the very start. Like she is such a clean slate. Um, so I thought mm -hmm. I would snap up that opportunity to really start with something that's, you know, um, really raw. And then hopefully, you know, I can share my journey with her, um, with other people that fell in love with her along the way. So and I have a bit of an obsession. Everyone knows this with, with greys. Um, they are my lucky charm. Ooh, I, don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is about them, but all my best horses have been greys. And I have, like I said, the grey thoroughbred mare. So I'm hoping they might make a cute little Liberty team together as well. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that will be interesting. We'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Speaking of uh, clean slates, do you find that it's easier to work with a horse that's perhaps unhandled versus one that's perhaps already got established issues or things that need to that you need to work through? Yeah, like I said, ones that haven't you know had much work done to them. Um, that's one of my favorite things is probably you know starting to work with yearlings. You know when they we start to hold to break them and stuff like that. They're just so um trusting of you in those beginning stages because nothing has been you know done wrong by them so you find that they pick up processes um way more quickly and that they're you know super trusting of you and that's not to say you know that a horse that you know might have had a, a rough past that won't come around but it definitely 
you know, um, you have to, it's almost like it takes twice as long. Whereas if you get it right the first time, it's like you tick the boxes and you can move along. But something that, you know, hasn't had the best experiences, it, it does take that, you know, extra time and effort and, you know, going back over and over and over for them to, to build that relationship. Mm, yes, makes sense. And what did you learn from the other participants in the way of the horse? That you just got to do what works for you. Um, you know, the, those girls, both Steph and Haley, have their own program. You know, that works for them, and that you got to do what works for you. Um, you know, you've I give them full credit. You know, they did an absolutely exceptional job, and you know, they're absolute winners in my eyes as well. Because to do what we did is to yeah be out there in front of all those people you know um and then yeah do what we do at home usually you know in our quiet little place and to come out there in the open and share our knowledge with everyone you know those girls are you know absolutely top-notch and I'm so proud of them Yes, I agree. I think just um, participating in the way of the horse in itself is, you know, you deserve a medal for just <laughs> participating. So yeah, amazing work. And is there anything that you would have done differently if you were to do um, it again? That, that question, uh, well, when I when I read that one, I, I couldn't really, you know, think of a direct answer of it because, um, you know, you, you look back at all your videos and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, there's moments of go, or maybe I could have done this, but maybe I could have done that. But the biggest thing I'll say to that is you have to believe in yourself and what you're doing within the moment. Because if you, uh, you know, start second guessing your, yourself, then your horse is going to start second guessing. So, you know, everything that I did throughout that competition, I was 100% confident within, within the time that I was doing it. But yeah, obviously, you know, looking back on videos and stuff like that, you know, maybe my timing might have been a little bit off. Maybe, you know, I didn't do something quite right or something like that. But there's nothing that I can change. And I feel like, you know, I gave that little filly the best opportunity I could in that in the moments that I had. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's always room for improvement and we're always our own worst critics, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like we're always, yeah. oh, I could have done that better, could have done this better, but it sounds like you did an amazing job. So, um, and I love what you said, believe in yourself and and what you're doing within that moment. And I think horses can feel that as well. If you're confident in what you're doing, they really thrive off that versus if you're like second guessing or hesitating, they can really feel that energy. Yeah. And they're, they're, the horses are so sensitive to that. So that's one thing that I would, you know, say to anyone out there, you know, that does want to, you know, start their own horse or, you know, um, build a better relationship. As long as you're confident, believe in yourself and, you know, your horse is going to feed off that energy. And, um, I'm, I'm very lucky to, you know, have spent some time with Warwick Schiller. Um, I consider him a, a really good friend. And so much of horse training is actually about ourselves, our, our mental state, um, you know, the, the feeling that, you know, we give off from our body language, um, you know, our thought processes, like so much of horse training is actually to do with us. So I think that's a huge part of it is not just being, um, you know, being able to train a horse, but it's that, um mental side of it as well absolutely and um on that note of you know building a connection and relationship with your horse um what are some practical things that horse owners could do on a daily basis that would make a big difference to their relationship with their horse this was a listener question by the way yeah for sure i the biggest thing i can um say to that one is spend time with your horse without expectation and by that, I mean, just go sit in the paddock with your horse, go take a book out there, go relax with it. I think, you know, the biggest thing that we have, you know, is that expectation or, you know, say I'm going to go catch my horse, settle it up, go ride it in the arena or go for a trail ride or do this, take away expectation and you'll be really surprised what can happen with your relationship with your horse. Mm, so true so true and how would you you've already kind of elaborated on your style especially with the long reigning and your process that you worked through with the four days with the filly but how would you summarize your training approach or philosophy with horses work with the horse that you have today um that's a huge line that um has has stuck with me and that's the biggest thing, you know, I have, I work with a lot of people and they're like, oh, you know, it was so going so good. And then, and now it's just, you know, not so good, but there's, there's no direct scale that just heads direct up, you know, 
in going in a in a nice you know straight diagonal line it's it's going to go up and down it's going to change it's going to depend on you know what's happening in your life you know at that point in time so that's the biggest thing I'd say is that you know not everything is going to look perfect all the time and I think that's a big thing that people have fear of you know is that something might not look right but maybe that horse has to go through that moment of you know stickiness of where it you know doesn't look the prettiest um but they will come through on the other side and I think that's what a lot of people and I think I probably didn't answer the question quite earlier is that you know am I worried about you know um things going wrong and it's it's you you can't worry about things going wrong because you like I said you have to be 100% confident what you're doing with the horse and with horses it's it's never going to look you know 100% perfect there's always going to be moments you know they get a fright they might you know panic about something but it's how you get them through that moment is what's most important yes so true yeah and what would you say to those people this is a little bonus question that uh, I didn't give you but just on that note of feeling 100% confident um, what would you say to someone who really doesn't feel that confident around their horse how do they cultivate that confidence around horses is it through more experience is it through lessons is it through mindset What, what do you think yeah so definitely you know a huge one obviously for me is your mindset you know there's no point you know working with your horse if you've had just you know the worst day at work you know where you're feeling anxious or you know upset or anything like that those would be the days where I'd go you know what just go sit in your horse you know in the paddock um you know hang out with it um that sort of thing but the biggest thing is just yeah finding people around you that support who you are and you know finding a program that you know works for you finding that trainer that you know you go oh wow like I love like that's I guess the biggest thing you know throughout um the opportunities that I've had I've picked people that I look at them and I go wow I want to be like that and so it's yeah finding those people that you know not only that you meet on a personal level but then you know their principles and methods of training you know that they follow through with and yeah I I really look at how they work with their horse and that for me is a huge decision making and what like where I wanted to you know go to to learn from yeah yeah and um I know you've spent some time with Dan James and Warwick Schiller but have there been any other influential mentors along your journey? Uh, another huge two, I'm super lucky, is actually Dan and Pierce Steers back here in Australia. So I've been really lucky to work with both the Dans. Um, and throughout mm-hmm. the last few years since I've been home from the States, I've been fortunate enough to um, go work alongside Dan and Pierre. And I, I went down there for a couple of weeks before Equitana and um, I was lucky enough to work with some young horses leading up to the competition. And um, those two are absolute role models for our our horse industry and I'm yeah once again super grateful for the opportunities um that they have given me you know throughout you know I've known um them for a very long time as well and um yes and I guess while I was in the states as well uh, Brett Parbury um he's an Australian dressage rider um he was there helping Mm -hmm. me with my uh, thoroughbred makeover horse that I competed with in Kentucky so he was there actually it was super very cool experience because I had Dan James Warwick Schiller and Brett Parbury all based at Dan's leading up to the 2018 World Equestrian Games so to wow I know to have the three of them in the the same place um and you know to be riding out in the arena with them each day I would have to say is just like one of the coolest opportunities um I've ever had and um I've learned so much from the three of them you know in that six weeks that they were they were there so um I've definitely been very very lucky with opportunities yeah wow that would have been an incredible experience and I suppose it would come pretty close to your happiest horse memory right but is there some other happy horse memories that you could share with us yeah for sure I I have a few I guess um as I was just talking about, I got to compete in the thoroughbred makeover in Kentucky. So it's a four day competition and they have approximately, I think it was uh, just over 600 thoroughbreds compete over 10 disciplines. Um, And I had once again, a beautiful gray gelding who I miss so much every day, but he is um, with one of Dan's clients who absolutely just loves him. And 
I was lucky enough on him. I won the um, dressage uh, component of the disciplines and then I got fourth in the freestyle over there. So that for me was um, a really exceptional time. Um, he is because he was once again this off the track fella. He was quite tricky to start with, you know, um, very stressed, you know, going out to competition. So um, I had to, you know, help teach relaxation and um, get him using his body correctly and all that. This and then obviously trying to put all the liberty work on him as well for the freestyle side of it. So that was a yeah a huge huge six months leading up to that competition um, with that horse and then. I guess more recently for what I do now is um, I rehome, yeah, off the track thoroughbreds from Hong Kong and they go through a free adoption program. And most more recently they've gone to, you know, some teenage riders, you know, that um, haven't had a huge budget to buy a horse. So to actually have this program where these young riders can have, you know, an off the track thoroughbred with, you know, some decent education um, and are just super temperaments and they can take them on for free. You know, that for me is, you know, why I love my job to see those kids faces, you know, out competing now on those, those horses is yeah, absolutely just brilliant. That would be so rewarding. And I think many of our Australian listeners can relate because most of us, I would say had off the track thoroughbreds as teenagers and, um, we can probably all agree that it would have been nice to have a bit more of a transition period where there was a bit more education. (laughs) Um, I'm curious to know though, is there a difference between working with horses that have come from Hong Kong, like Hong Kong racehorses versus Australian racehorses? I'm going to say yes. I've obviously, I've, I've worked with Australian off the tracks um, since I was 18 years old and um, it's only been more recently in the last few years that I um, have, yeah, taken on the work from international thoroughbred retirement and I think the biggest difference is, is these um, boys that come back from Hong Kong, they live in high rise buildings. So they go up and down elevators, they get walked down the main street through the wow. traffic to get back, you know, they're handled, you know, multiple times a day. Um, they've just had so much, you know, happening to them all the time that, you know, they're, they're really well handled, you know, nothing really phases them. You know, when they come back here, it's sort of just like, you know, I can imagine for them probably just that peace and quiet and they just sort of go, oh, <laughs> you know, we can just yeah. you know, chill out now. And um, like all of the, some of the, some of the ones that I've had come back and, you know, some people would go, oh, you'd never do that. But I've actually rehomed them to um, beginner, you know, amateur lady riders. Um, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're that quiet that um, they're just happy to plot on a loose rein. You know, they, they don't have a desire to run anymore. Um so it's actually, yeah, a really, really cool thing that um, Amy Taylor's put together to bring, and then lots of them are Australian bred horses um, back home here. So it's a, it's a really, really good program. And I'm, yeah, feel really lucky to be a part of it. Yeah, wow. Sounds like a, a really good program, actually. And um, is that actually the opposite of what I thought? I thought the Hong Kong horses would be kind of more stress from that sort of environment and the travel etc but obviously it has its you know pros and cons I think they've just they have had so much happen to them over there so when it comes home here it's just you know quiet and peaceful and they're you know they settle into their new life really really well Mm, yeah very cool and um what has been your biggest horsemanship breakthrough to date I think teaching relaxation and that's a huge one with the you know working with off the track thoroughbreds so long so being able to find a way um you know to communicate with them you know that they can relax and be comfortable you know on the ground and then under saddle around us and I feel like um you know Warwick Schiller's principles of training have played a huge part you know in my horsemanship journey and then more recently you know the path that he's going towards is um, you know, your mindset and, and how that, you know, can affect the horses. But I would definitely say that, yeah, teaching relaxation to your horse has definitely been one of my biggest breakthroughs. And do you have any uh, tips on how to help horses be more relaxed? Yeah, for sure. So without, within my um, groundwork and, um, I guess, long reigning program, which then, you know, progresses to under saddle, is that obviously I have a, a strong passion with liberty work. So being able to 
create that connection, you know, with um, no halter um, or lead or anything like that, you know, is, is pretty cool to have that horse stay, you know, circling around you. So I think building a good relationship, you know, from the ground is really important. Um, yeah, I would agree, though. I think that I, I say to my, my own students, you know, clear communication brings about relaxation um, because, yeah, often some of that stress comes from that lack of clarity and, and frustration about what it is that they're supposed to be doing in that moment. So, yeah, really cool. And, I, and I've had other people mention Warwick Schiller and his principles of training on the podcast before as well. So I'm sure that would help people with um, helping their horse relax, too. And uh, What's something that you wish that every horse owner would do differently? Um, I, I think I yeah mentioned this earlier is, you know, just spend time with your horse without expectation. Um, you know, it's not something mm -hmm. that I, I see, you know, very often, um, you know, people just, you know, going out and just hanging out with their horse, you know, just to enjoy them. Um, that would be, yeah, I guess one thing that I would say I noticed most throughout you know, the places I've been, um, traveled to, um, different people's places I travel to just, um, yeah, in, enjoy your horse and, um, he'll definitely, or she, <laughs> um, you know, will, yeah, I, I just feel like that connection will be better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And do you think those, those times where you're, you know, not doing anything with your horse, do you think that can be incorporated within a session or do you, do you like to separate them completely as in, nope, today I'm doing absolutely nothing with my horse or would you incorporate more breaks of say undemanding time with your horse within a session? Yes. So that's, that's a big one, that one. So, you know, um, there's lots of times where I'm sure people have gone like, like, you know, I've been working a horse and I might just sit there for five minutes doing absolutely nothing. But in that moment, mm -hmm. they might have missed what I was doing beforehand and it might have been a massive breakthrough. So even just that sitting there and doing absolutely nothing on your horse can be a huge moment in their training. Um, so, yeah, that it's those sort of things or, you know, being able to, um, you know, just take your horse out for a walk, you know, take it for a pick of grass or, you know, you can incorporate, you know, those sort of things within your training sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And what do you think makes a happy horse? Happy people. <laughs> happy people. Happy people. Yeah. Just um, like I said, if you if you're really just having that, you know, bad day, like don't get on and ride. Go, you know, like I said, just do something else with your horse. Um, but yeah, your your energy affects your horse. So that would be my biggest advice is, you know, anytime that you're working with your horse, let, you know, all the outside stuff go and really appreciate um, the animal that you have with you because they're, you know, truly special in the way that they let us, you know, do what we do with them. Mm, yes. And if you could have dinner with any three horse people, dead or alive, who would it be? I loved this question because I thought of three names. <laughs> so my three would be uh, Frederick Pingong, uh, Ben Atkinson and Charlotte Dujardin for sure. <laughs> They're just, yeah. Really good. Picks. Yeah. So I would love to just, yeah, pick their brains and just, yeah, just to spend some time with them, you know, even from a training level as well would be, you know, a dream come true so yeah they're, they're definitely my three yeah I love that mix of you know the liberty trainers but also the dressage as well um I think it's cool that you've got like more of an open mind around who you get advice from and who you sort of look up to that's really cool. yeah and I guess that's you know that's a question I get asked they're like oh so what discipline do you actually do and I sort of stand I can't <laughs> really answer it because I enjoy everything um you know, um, recently I competed um, in with my thoroughbred mare in a competition called Racehorse to Ranch Horse. So, you know, I was there, you know, throwing ropes, dragging logs, you know, chasing cows on her. But then the week before that, you know, she was at the Brisbane CBI, you know, doing a dressage test. Um, and then, you know. Wow, like, that's so cool. And then, yeah, like literally a month after that, here I am at a cult starting competition. Like I just, I don't want to. Yeah limit myself to one thing I, I want to be you know involved in as much as I can and learn as much as I can with whatever discipline it is 
I think it's so good to be that versatile as well, especially if you enjoy all those different aspects. I think in Australia, you may have experienced this also. Um, you're kind of encouraged to pick a discipline and stick with that. But I love how you've just really broadened your horizons and gone overseas and tried lots of different things and you're still doing that. It's, it's yeah, really admirable. Yeah, like uh, I guess I'm just so lucky, you know, the experiences I've had, like from, you know, trick riding to chuck wagon right. Uh, racing to liberty work to dressage to freestyle to cows like I just um I'm super lucky for the experiences I've had and um yeah you won't ever find me just doing the one same thing over and over <laughs> and this question is a little bit of fun and um, some people struggle to answer it actually but I'd love to know what has been your best horse related purchase in the last 12 months Oh, that's definitely a good one. Um, it would have to be, and now this is going to sound so crazy, but I have, uh, everyone thinks they look like clown shoes and they're so ugly, but my Baxter slip-on uh, muck shoes, they're, everyone's like, they're so ugly and can't believe but that you want to wear them, but they are literally the most comfortable shoes that I can wear all day long when my feet stay dry um, and <laughs> they, they're easy to put on and off because that's obviously a, another thing I don't I wear um, that's the one thing I will say I love breeches and my top boots so walking between horses and stuff like that I, I, like, I don't like to walk around my top boots so I'll change my shoes out so yeah definitely my backs to slip on shoes are literally my life <laughs> I can totally relate because we have this kind of gross pair of really old crocs that's yeah. not that we can really like do farm stuff with them, but my husband and I share them. And it's just something we can slip on, go out, do something and come back and it's, and it's fine. But people rock up and they're like, oh, what are those? <laughs> but they're so comfy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that would definitely have to be my, my number one thing that, you know, I'm always, yeah, got a pair of them. I've got multiple pairs in different places and they're always my go-to shoe. I'll have to try a pair yeah. now. <laughs> You'll um, have to tell us what brand your top boots are as well. Uh, they're just actually a pair of Dublin ones, to be honest. Um, oh, well, yeah. I have, yeah. I have uh, De Niro's for my competition, you know, like a really nice competition boot. But I just feel like, you know, in what I do, um, you know, I could be, you know, out on a ride and I might have to get off a horse and, you know, walk it through some water. So I'm definitely not going to have expensive um, top boots on. But I, I definitely give those Dublin ones a run for their money. Yes, yes. I quite like the Dublin ones actually because they're they're quite close contact as well. You can move around quite easily in them, so probably good for walking when you need to. Yeah, as well. they don't take much to break in, so um, they're definitely good. To, mm -hmm. um, you know, you put them on, and you know, you don't get any pinching points or rubbing points or anything like that. So, yeah. Now, listeners of the podcast are really into learning as much as they can about horses. Do you have any favourite horse books or resources? Yeah, definitely. So obviously, like I said, um, Warwick Schiller's online program, um, I'm a huge fan and I just, I love both the Dan's so much. Um, so they have books, DVDs, um, online programs as well. Um, and I also have another great friend uh, from the States, Ariana Sakaris. She has a great online program as well so yeah they would be you know the top three people that you know can come to mind that you know if you if you want a good program to follow I just I love yeah all of them very much and it's it's easy to understand um you know it's it flows easily the information's easy to find um so yeah they would definitely be my top three picks Perfect. I will add them to the list. And can you tell us what is next for you and what is your ultimate goal with horses? That list is massive. <laughs> um, <laughs> the little brain of mine doesn't ever stop ticking, but I think a huge goal for me um, going for next year is that I feel like the Liberty uh, work and programs, you know, are, are really starting to come to here in Australia. And I really would love to give the opportunity for people to learn more about Liberty and then, then also the competition side of it um, as well. So we don't have, you know, many Liberty competitions here in Australia. So that's something that I would love to um, grow here and, you know, people be a part of, um, 
and have that opportunity to, you know, and they, they might not want to, you know, compete competitively in it, but they still might, you know, just want to come and do a demonstration with their horse or something like that. So I want to give, you know, um, as many opportunities I can. And then obviously I'll keep, you know, going with my um, international thoroughbred retirement horses and then also hopefully um, have my off the track mare and um, my little Connemara pony um, from the cult start, you know, out and about, hopefully towards the end of next year. Amazing. Wow. You do have a lot on your list, but I have no doubt that you'll achieve it all. And I look forward to seeing what you end up doing with the Liberty and Liberty competitions in Australia, because yeah, I agree that we don't really have anything like that. And you hear a lot of, um, you know, uh, the Liberty competitions and the um, thoroughbred makeovers uh, overseas, but yeah, we don't have a lot here in, in, in Australia. So looking forward to hearing more about that. Now, before we wrap up, can you tell us what is the one message you would like our listeners to know or hear from today's interview? Believe in yourself. Don't ever let anyone, yeah. you know, doubt who you are, what you do. Um, just believe in yourself every time that you go out there with your horse. Love that. Yeah, so good. We have covered a lot in a really short amount of time. Um, I think it's amazing everything that you've shared and very inspiring what you do. Congratulations again on your win at Equitana and thanks for coming on the podcast today and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me and I'm definitely happy to answer anyone's questions. You know, if they have further questions, um, they can find me on Facebook. I've got a page called Silver Sky Equine, um, also on Instagram as well. Um, so definitely if people have more questions, I'm definitely more than happy to answer them. Fantastic. And will there be opportunities for people to learn online from you in the future? Yes, it's definitely um, on, on my list to do. Um, just uh, making it all happen <laughs> is um, quite, quite yes. the task, but it's definitely my plan. Excellent. We look forward to that. No, well, thank, thank you, you again. Really, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website AmaliaDempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll see you in the next episode.